Welcome everyone to the Greenmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to Worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well, having a great day, evening, weekend, whatever it is you're sitting down to list this. So we are coming hot off of AEW Double or Nothing. I mean, you know, for the most part, it seems like the show was a bit of a thumbs up, maybe a little thumbs in the middle. I mean, consensus, there, there was a lull, but... I was able to preview the show last weekend with my good friend Pluggo, my co-host of Four Exposure here on Love Wrestling. Um, and I wanted to bring back a good friend of mine to review the uh, the review the pay-per-view because I had a lot of fun talking about AEW before. And uh, we, uh, we, we share some very similar opinions on uh, the product. So I brought back my good friend, Jay's Retro. Jay, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. I mean, five hours sleep after watching that <laughs> yeah. pay-per-view. And, uh, yeah, you know you're not getting a lot of sleep uh, the night of an AEW pay-per-view. I was telling you before we started recording, I usually take uh, a day off work the next day, but I couldn't today. So I'm a little tired too. We're recording this on the Monday uh, evening after. So we're both a little tired, I'm sure, as most fans that will end up watching this. But yeah. um, such is life as an AEW pay-per-view fan. Yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm not planning to watch any wrestling tonight. I'm <laughs> going to bed early tonight. So, um, I, I mean, you were able to watch the pay per view last night, and uh, we talked a little bit about it before. And for the most part, I think it was, you know, a, a thumb leaning up. You know, it was, uh, it was enjoyable. Kind of, it was sandwiched. Uh, it was a lot of there was some crap sandwiched between a good beginning and a good end. Um, we'll start off. We'll talk about the the pre show. I mean. It was. I was surprised that there was only one match for the buy-in. We're so used to getting, you know, three or four, just of kind of, you know, the guys who weren't able to make the cut for the pay-per-view. But they've kind of switched things. You get more promo packages, more interviews, and so we only got the Hardys and Hook facing off with the Guns and Ethan Page. And I mean, right off the bat, I am very disappointed that we do not get the Guns entrance with the Fifty <laughs> yes. Cent song. Yeah, like. If you're shelling out money for entrance <clears throat> songs, give them that every time. Give them the circular camera going around them, all of that. So I, mean, I thought I was disappointed. Honestly, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that earlier today, knowing I was going to record with you and I was going to bring that up too. And I, I would have forgot if you didn't. But like now when you hear that, and I, I was kind of a fan of the Guns music before, <laughs> but now that we've had the other, you know, the 50 Cent, it's like now you try to go back to this weird twangy whatever it is it's just like oh come on it just doesn't it doesn't do them justice anymore i just want what we had for that one we, mm -hmm. that one moment in time it's funny how like just you use that one song like the 50 cent song and they come across as such a bigger deal yes like it makes them super i don't want to say superstars it makes them stars having that music they go back to the old one which i'm a fan of but it's just not the same so no no um We'll touch on this one and then we'll carry on to the main show. But I mean, overall, I mean, it was the match. I felt like it went way too long for what it was worth. I mean, it, it felt like it was going on over 20 minutes at some points and very slow, very plotting took a while for everyone to get into. But overall, what were your thoughts about it? I think I echo the same thoughts that you had. And 
really the only thing that I was interested in watching in that match was, well, I always like seeing Hook and his entrance mm -hmm. music is, you know, speaking of entrance music or entrance music, he's got one of the best. Yes. But I was most interested in seeing what Jeff Hardy looked like. And, you know, this is a guy who is a, a giant star. He's now been back in the fold, kind of on rampage now for whatever it has been, three or four weeks. Maybe it's even a little bit longer than that. So I was curious as to what he he looked like in ring. They did that firm deletion or whatever it was called. Um, yeah. So that's what I was most focused on. And, yeah, I was kind of curious what what you think in terms of short-term, medium-term. What What is Jeff Hardy's role in AEW? I thought he didn't look very good in that match. That's, of course, coming off of a year uh, of inactivity, essentially. Yeah. Like, I think maybe his even his last match in AEW might have been the last double or nothing, or it would have been right around this time last year, I, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. And so I... I you know, and I, I've seen mixed opinions on Jeff Hardy and what his role should be. And I'm a big, I'm a mark for like stars. I, I you know, to me, I, I'd want to make room for a guy like him on the roster. Um, you know, same, you know, if they bring in Goldberg or whatever, I'd be a huge fan of that too. I love having Sting around all these old guys. I, I like that mix of having those guys in there. But having said that, he didn't look good. Uh, I, I thought, and, and it was, I, I'm not sure if maybe the, that spot that he did when he was up in the corner and he fell on his knee, if that was a work spot or a shoot, or if, I don't know if he actually tripped or whatever, but yeah, I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I saw some opinions on the timeline of like, you know, that he looks washed and he didn't look good. Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious, what are your thoughts on Hardy and like what his role could be and what, what would you see like going forward? They've been teasing on rampage a couple of times in their promos that it seems like the direction might even be going after the tag team titles for those guys. And, to me, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm I may be laying off that for a little bit and seeing what he might look like in the ring the next couple of times before I make any booking plans that might have him in that title picture. Like I, growing up, you know, I was into the Hardys, but I was never a, like a super fan. You know, I always enjoyed their big matches. I, I, they were very entertaining in the ring, but I mean, after a while, you see just the the issues that both of them had Jeff more so, you know, and like, he's someone who you really want to see him get the help that he needs. And hopefully he's at that spot um, with his, you know, debut in AEW. I mean, I obviously, I, you know, I marked out for it. It was a cool, cool moment, but like, it seemed even when he first showed up, like he's a, almost a step or two behind everybody there. And it's noticeable because the Hardys of old, I mean, they can't keep up with, you know, they've got, a lot more years on them than a lot of the stars and you know someone like sting who's more of a special attraction he'll wrestle once every six months or so you know so he can you know go in do his spots and it's not that noticeable if anything it looks like he's like much better yeah. than you know his age suggests but with jeff you see him more and more and it i think it almost takes away from the mystique of the hardys yeah i definitely think that they're going to get a, a shot at the tag titles but by no means should that be, you know, one of the big pay-per-view matches. You know, that's something that you're building up for maybe a special dynamite, you know, like the Road Rager or Fight for the Fall and something like that. Yeah. Put that in there. And then after that, you're putting them in secondary feuds just to help build everyone else. Because I'm sure both Matt and Jeff have a lot that they can bring to the, the younger guys there especially with tag team wrestling. So that's what I'm utilizing the Hardys for more than anything, you know, maybe a, an odd match once in a while, something special, but 
that's it. I think you've honestly that I, I have the same thought. I think you nailed it there. I think Sting is like the prototype formula to follow for these types of guys that you you might want to bring in that are more legends. Use them sparingly. Make it special when they're going to wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sting can, you know, is has been super smart about like his offense is super simple. It's punches and kicks. It's body yeah. slams and spine busters and scorpion death drop. And then, I mean, he's not smart about diving off of large <laughs> uh, or high spots, which Jeff Jeff can do that too. I think. I think Jeff and, and Matt too, to maybe to a lesser extent have been exposed by, as you say, trying to keep up with a style that maybe they just can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think for Jeff going forward, my suggestion would be along what you're saying of like, make it special, like have him in the sting role and sting is presumably going to retire pretty soon. Yeah. And not that he could fill the, the sting role. They're to- two totally different guys, but like maybe he only wrestles once every couple of months. You make it special you got, you know, jumping up on the ropes and doing the whisper in the wind and all those spots that are mm-hmm. high degree of difficulty, probably not in your repertoire anymore and kind of follow that sting model. The problem is, you know, Matt Hardy isn't Darby Allen. And so Matt Hardy can't bump around and take all those moves in a way that like they've been really smart protecting sting and in, in tag matches only and trios matches or, or even multi-man tags that are bigger than that. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, I, I'm just, I was just curious. That was really what I was paying attention to in that match was how does Jeff Hardy look? And unfortunately, he didn't look very good. I don't think it's necessarily drugs or booze related. Necessarily. No, I, he looked like he was clean to me. I think it was yeah. probably more of like he hasn't wrestled in a year and he's however old he is and that I, uh, he has some ring rust to work off probably is, is my guess. Yeah, I think time's just catching up with him, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, he's had he. Think of the wear and tear on his body through all of those matches. I mean, you, you hear, you know, Edge and Christian, you know, they've talked about the latter matches and how it's taken a toll on their bodies. So I can only imagine with Jeff because he's he's gone full tilt with it throughout his career. So no doubt. Yeah. Um, I mean, the show kicked off with the Battle Royal, and I think that was one of the best Battle Royals in AEW history. Like the... Mm-hmm. It was nonstop action. There wasn't any, you know, kind of like lackadaisical spots. The the there was big moments throughout. I mean, seeing Jay White and Ricky Starks, their feud with um, or yeah, sorry, Jay White and Ju- Juice Robinson, their feud with Ricky Starks in the mm-hmm. ring. You know, the crowd was popping for that. And even you see just some of the matchups, like the crowd when Jay White and Penta kind of faced off together. Yeah, like, they popped. That's what I want to see next. And it's almost like it's something you could build towards. There was lots of that throughout, even like Brian cage and, um, I Bandito, don't know you... the bandito spot when he yes. set him up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think, yeah. Like I, and I, I understand why battle Royals get a bad rep because it can be convoluted. And I do think AW, uh, does too many of them probably in a way that they lose that special appeal that they might have. But yeah. that, the one last night was so good. And like you say, the way that, and, AEW has booked them like this. It lets you play around with the current storylines that they're working with and then also tease some potential, like use it as a bridge to, I, I'm sure, I would suspect that at the television tapings this week, they're going to be playing off of a, a couple of those um, things that have been teased in, in that Battle Royal. And um, what I liked best about it was the closing stretch with Orange Cassidy and and swerve and swerve mm-hmm. looked like a million bucks man that guy has hit the gym i don't know if you noticed that too but he's got in like incredible shape 
He um, looks jacked. Yeah, he looks jacked. Uh, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm thinking, you know, I think he's the the exact type of guy that this collision show could really, really help. Um, really, a lot of those guys, even like Jay White and Ricky Starks, I think if they had had a, a more time to build their story through some more promo time in ring segments and things like that, I think that's maybe a program that could have got a little bit hotter than it has been. Although, like mm-hmm. you say, I mean, both those guys were over last night. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I look at a guy like Swerve and the shape that he's got himself in and the reaction that he was getting last night and how close he got to winning that title seemingly as that's a guy that, you know, in that kind of tier, him, Jay White, Ricky Starks, those guys that are, you can just tell they, you know, if you get behind them, and Jay White has proved it in New Japan, like yeah. he's a legitimate top guy. He's wrestled in dome stadiums or whatever. But those guys that as currently constituted in AEW are just under that main event picture of now you've got two new hours of primetime television on Saturdays coming up in a couple of weeks. That's the type of guy that you can shine a, sp- a spotlight on. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the ultimate direction is you go back to Swerve and maybe he is the one that beats Orange Cassidy for that international title. But I thought it, it totally delivered. I don't think you can really complain ab- about that. And maybe the complaint is that you wish that some of those guys in there had gotten more of a spotlight in a singles role. But, <laughs> you know, that's just kind of what you have to put up with. You know, Tony Khan tries to get him, everybody on TV. And again, that's another benefit maybe of collision is that you don't feel like if, if these some of these guys in this battle royal are getting more regular television time, some of those matches could be blown off on collision or whatever in high profile matches there instead of trying to fit you know, everybody on to, onto a pay-per-view show or something like that. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I thought it was great. One of the highlights of the show really before, you know, the tail end of it. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought it gave a chance. The classic, the, the commander rope spot is still cool to me too. Like yeah. every time, every time he does it, it's cool. So I think it gave a spotlight to a few guys that needed it. And like we said, you know, maybe sets the course for some interesting uh, new directions for some of these guys too. Yeah, like I thought, you know, Big Bill had a good showing in there. Brian Cage was, that was, I think, some of the best that he's looked in his time in AEW so far. So, like, that's making me more into him. Um, Swerve looked great. Keith Lee was able to, you know, have a bit of some shine on him as well. I mean, I'm ready for Keith Lee and Swerve to, like, wrap up this feud just so they can both get onto something else. And I think, like, you wrap that up and then you're, you put Swerve and Orange Cassidy together. And that's who takes the title off of Orange, and you let him run with it. the The belt has so much shine to it, and Swerve will only elevate it even to another level. So I'm was, with, and I, and I think too, like what a credit. I know it was uh, it was funny when Tony Khan did that promo about leveling up the All Atlantic title and the tie-in with whatever stupid movie that was. But like, <laughs> legitimately, from the All Atlantic Championship to now the international title and this run that Orange Cassidy has been on, like, and I, I feel like this is the consensus. So I'm not saying any controver- anything controversial here, but like, what a run that's been for that title. And that title feels like it's very, very important now. And that whoever, um, very legitimately here, like, whoever is next in line is being set up to win a title that means a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, and I trust that they're going to be putting someone in a position where, and I, and I think, I hope it's Swerve too, that like who, whoever is going to get this win over Orange Cassidy after all the guys that he's run through and this battle Royal too, and the spotlight that it's gotten, they've got a chance to really get themselves over um, and mm-hmm. getting the rub and getting, you know, getting put over on, on Orange Cassidy. So I'm excited about what that might be. It feels like, 
you know, they've been telling the story with Cassidy where he's banged up. And so it, it feels like that loss for him is probably coming pretty soon. Yeah. So uh, I think that's one of the interesting directions coming out of this pay-per-view of is when, you know, that shoe that feels like it's going to drop, when is that exactly going to happen? Mm-hmm. The They followed that up with the, the unsanctioned match. Um, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho special guest enforcer in Adam Cole's corner <laughs> Sabu, which was just so off the wall as a choice yeah. that I still have trouble like fathoming it. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to pull Sabu out and I mean, Sabu is still out like making indie appearances. I know he was, he did one in Fargo not too long ago, you know, this past December, I think it was. So like he, still he, out there. he worked a match. He didn't work a match. He made an appearance. Oh, okay. oh, I think he God. did some, you know, some shenanigans and stuff like that. So, right. so he's still there. But like a match like this, I had such higher hopes for it, mm-hmm. and I don't think I have ever been as disappointed in, in an AEW match as I was this one. Like, yeah, what are you? My own fault. No, I I'm with you. I'm curious what you think in terms of where to place the blame on that because I thought it was I thought. It was a cold match too. Now I also saw online there were people there that were live at the show that said that in the building the crowd was way hotter than it seemed like it was on TV. But I don't know. We're getting into now this part of the review where we have a pretty extended period of time where the crowd didn't seem like they were super into much. Although there we'll talk about some I'm sure some bright spots where the crowd picked yeah. up a bit. But like I don't know what where do you place the blame here? I think it's the style of wrestlers you have in there. I mean, not that Jericho and Cole are, you know, carbon copies, but they can both play the same role too much. And Mm -hmm. I think that was the issue, you know, like it's, you needed someone who was more of an aggressor, someone a little bit more, um, I don't want to say up-tempo, but more of like a a dastardly, you know, like an aggressor sort of say, you know, that's what the match needed where both these guys thrive in that role where they're against someone like that. Like if you put either of those against, say like a John Moxley, you're not having a disappointed, disappointing match like that. You, you will come out of that, you know, thinking it's match of the year, but the style that they are, I think it clashed too much. And ultimately it, it, it failed. They, they would have been better off having the mixed tag match, as an unsanctioned match mm-hmm. where you have, you know, Saraya and Britt Baker in there as well, you would have right. been better off having that. But I think ultimately it just didn't click, didn't gel. And I am fully like ready for this one to wrap up. Let's do this yeah. next tag and let's move on. Like, let's yeah, just forget about you. it. Yeah. I wonder too, if they were in, in, you know, by design that stipulation is supposed to be freeing it's supposed to open up possibilities and i i wonder if it almost had the opposite effect of where if they would have just had a straight you know one-on-one match kind of beat the shit out of each other in Mm -hmm. that way that we've seen jericho have some of these standout matches that he's had over the last 24 or 12 months or whatever you know that great run that he was on last year ishii and bandito and all these sweet matches eddie kingston that he's had if they just would have gone in there and you know, had maybe more of a simple match. I also, and I know we're, we're both big Jericho defenders, but uh, to me, Adam Cole is missing something. And I'm a fan of his. I think he's great and he can promo and he's a really good wrestler and he does usually deliver. But to me, I don't know. He's missing something as a tippy top guy. And he feels like he's one of the natural next challengers for mjf Mm -hmm. and 
I am curious to see how he res- like. It's it's not like it wouldn't be a new spot for me. Challenge Hangman at uh, Revolution uh, yep. in, in 2022. So this it wouldn't be a new spot for him. It would be as a babyface, and so I am curious to see him step up there. But I, I think he's missing something. Um, and um, but you know, I think Tony loves him, and uh, so we'll see. But I'm I'm more willing to just put my uh, if I'm going to put a blame on something, I think you made a great point too, but I think part of it has to do with, I don't know, he, he's obviously super over too. Like you just have to mm-hmm. listen to the crowd for the most part and his entrance and all that stuff, but he's missing something as a top guy for me. I do think it has, I don't like bringing this up, but I do think it has something to do with the size of like, that's that's somewhat limiting to him, um, at least in my opinion anyway. Or if you're going to be, not that he has any control over it, but if you are that short then you, you almost have to make up with it with like in-ring style like a danielson is short too but he's also super fit and yeah. the way that he wrestles is so aggressive like to me adam cole is just like a you know i don't know like it's like he's cosplaying a Shawn michaels but he's even a smaller version <laughs> of it and, and whatever so it's like i don't know i just feel like he's missing something and um we'll see i hope that's not the case and i think i'm probably in the minority on that uh, but and he's gonna have I, I think he's gonna be a big big part of their plans this summer uh so we'll see um a lot of speculation that he could be next in line as a, and one of mjf's challengers and i wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up in that spot but i'm curious how that ends up playing uh this wasn't a totally promising start to uh, uh the summer a of coal. yeah yeah the summer of coal or putting a rocket to him i think unfortunately yeah, I think Wednesday will be a good chance for them to recover from that and build and move off of it to kind of gain back some of that, you know, goodwill that they may have lost with it. But it's, you know, maybe the expectations were too high, maybe a standalone one-on-one match, complete different out like different reaction to it, but I think for the most part everyone had the same sort of thing like this match kind of just took everything down a notch for a lot of people. Yeah. So um, I was I was hyped for the tag title match. I mean, I was probably one of the few people who wanted Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett <laughs> yeah. to win because I think there's so much potential with them. Um, but I did like I liked having Mark Briscoe in there. That was a fun little layer to it, especially with the build up to it. I mean, there's different ways they could go in it. And even throughout the match, they there were spots like the crowd. It took a while for them to get into. Yeah. Um, but towards the end, they seemed a lot more into it, you know, yeah, when they, they had, got them, they got them they, by the end. Yeah. They worked hard to get that crowd back. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, I mean, this was just, this is the, the Jeff Jarrett, Jay lethal tag match, Memphis wrestling, yeah. uh, you know, ref bump, ref distraction. Someone comes in like this, this is, this is the mold. I I'm a fan of it. I'm, I'm like you, like, I, I didn't think they were going to win, but I think giving them a short run with as a transition champion to something else would be a smart way to do it. But I, I love, I love this stuff that they they're on a good run here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the people that are still denying that Jeff Jarrett and Jay lethal and this group of them are entertaining and putting on good matches are just stuck in whatever initial anti Jeff Jarrett stance that they might've had when he was coming in, yeah. but they're delivering like that. The stuff that they did on the Briscoe farm was super funny and, I love the interplay dynamic between these guys and they're not like five star classic guys in, in, and I think too, that on a show that probably could have used more of that, like 
you know, this is this is the type of match of like old school tag team Memphis style, whatever, that is harder to get away with, I think, when you had more of an extended stagnant period in, in the middle of this pay-per-view. Um, but I, I thought this match was good. They totally got them by the end. Now it was through bells and whistles and hitting Aubrey Edwards with the guitar. I was surprised uh, at that. I didn't yeah, expect it. Which was a crazy spot. Um, did she come out of referee again after that? I wasn't really I, paying attention. I was wondering that. Like I listened to the Observer report on it this morning and like they brought it up and I tried to think like, did she have another yeah, match afterwards? Sure. And I can't recall. So I would have been pretty silly if she did. But yeah. I don't know. I, I li like, like you say, and they got him by the end, and and I think in some of the same ways, less so that we were talking about with Jeff Hardy before, FTR hasn't really hit back to the level that they were at last year since they've come back. Like they had, remember that I'm pretty sure once Wrestle once they lost the IWGP titles at Wrestle Kingdom, they were off for like three months. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about working back into shape for them and. Uh, I don't know. Dak seems like he's got that knee thing that he's dealing with. So I, if people are complaining about this match and like, like I said, I think, I don't know if I said on the air, off the air, but I've purposely gone out of my way not to listen to any reviews of the show. But if there are criticisms of this match, um, people are maybe complaining about the work rate of the match. I would, I wouldn't put it squarely with Jeff Jarrett or Jay lethal. Like I think, I think FTR is working themselves back into shape and, yeah. um, and so, but, but you know, I didn't, really have many complaints i thought it was an entertaining match and just like you know most of these you get them by the end and you, it's it's through bells and whistles but whatever you do what you got to do to get a reaction and and i i think um both teams are you know are in a good position to well, obviously ftr as the defending champions but to me i wouldn't you know i'd make sure that Je jeff jared and jay lethal are the type of heels that can get heat at any time and if you need to bring them in to do a tag team title program they're going to be there and they're going to yeah. be able to get themselves over and have that heat and cut those promos whenever you need them for a TV title match, a program against whoever they're those type of utility players that every promoter and booker should want and does want. And they're filling a key role at a time when, you know, we have a, a roster split coming up. that's going to split the depth of the tag team division even more. The trios division is kind of taken a hit out of the depth of the tag team division I know there's been some criticism of these guys getting as many title shots as they have been, but if you if you really look closely at the roster, I don't think they're taking a spot from someone who deserves it more. I think they've earned it, and I think they've been an entertaining group and an entertaining tag team. And maybe this was slightly below some people's expectations, but I thought it was a, a perfectly fine match. Yeah, it, it was that was that's a best way to describe it. It's perfectly fine. You know, there was nothing too too wrong with it. It was, you know, maybe a little slow getting going, which honestly you could say because of the match before, that's why. But they they were going, they worked the crowd back into it. So for me, it was it was good. But um, they followed that up with the ladder match. I was very surprised, just like with the unsanctioned match, that this is the first match in a feud that you're going straight to the ladder match between Wardlow and Christian. But I mean they de definitely played it safe with Christian. Um, I love the fact that he came out with a sleeveless turtleneck <laughs> as his gear. Like that is perfect. That's Christian, you know? Um, like I, I kind of checked in and out throughout this match. There was a few spots where I was, you know, taking garbage out, whatever, but there yeah. were some big moments that, you know, like even seeing Wardlow when he was going for the power bomb on the outside on that ladder, you know, and then gets crotched, you know, things like yeah. that. 
they didn't do too too much to like risk anything but they they were still able to deliver like some very entertaining moments in it yeah then i i thought this was fine too like again not a blow away match and I, and i think fairly so that AEW has set such a high standard for the quality of pay-per-views I and mean, there was a run there i don't know from all out 2022 to i don't know when it even would have been where you could have reasonably said that any of those pay-per-views were like the best pay-per-views of all time like in north america mm-hmm. and and i think and i think holding double or nothing to those standards is totally fair because AEW has set those standards super high mm-hmm. um but yeah this was just an, in the same way of like you know the tag team title match before it it was a, a decent ladder match again i think the lack of crowd heat or the seemingly the way that it came off on tv anyway that there wasn't a ton of heat there and to be fair wardlow is kind of a cold character to put it nicely at Very this point much. like they haven't really figured out what to do with him um christian though on the other hand has been like that that promo they did in detroit i think it was a couple weeks ago was red hot like he he's on he's on fire so i almost i i feel like at least the people that i follow on twitter anyway were were rooting for a christian title win and i think that would have been a super interesting direction for the title but i also understand wanted to protect wardlow and they've invested a ton in him but they got a i was trying to wrap my head around and i i've been actually going back and knowing that Punk's coming back here soon. Um, I've been going and watching some of his stuff again, rewatching it from his run. And I was watching the the Punk Wardlow match where Wardlow essentially just power bombed him a million times. And Wardlow f- was such a huge star during that run. And when he was attached to MJF, and he was so over. Um, and he, of course, he had the hair then. And and I honestly think that's like he he looks like less of a star with his haircut. I know that those are kind of little things, but. He looks um, like a jacked Frankie Kazarian right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's missing that man bun. Like legitimately, he yeah. it, it is taking away just a, a small piece of his presence. But to me, I was and I I thought that the pairing of him with Arn Anderson was a, a, a smart move, and I, I and I still think it can work. But I also wonder if he's someone that would just benefit from maybe going back heel and doing something there to try to you know usually. You know, and, and they tried it the first time, and he was over. Of like, you're going to be a the more over you get as a heel, the more likely it is that you'll be over as a face afterwards. And mm-hmm. I wonder if they almost just need to recharge him. I don't know if he has to be MJF's heater again. Although I, I think maybe getting a rub from MJF again wouldn't be the worst idea. But I think there something's missing there, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sh- quite sure what it is to rectify it. I, I think Tony was right to try to you know, attach him to whatever heat that Christian can generally get. But there's something missing there, and I'm not quite sure how to rectify it, but I wonder if maybe turning him heel might be a, a smart direction. I think that's a smart decision. I think it freshens up the character a little bit. Um, I will give him credit that the spot where he leaped from the top rope or whatever to the ladder, even though the ladder crumbled, was that was huge, you know? So to see something like that, but... Uh, the only thing that I was like, uh, do I need it? It was Arn biting the, th- the thumb. I was like, what What are we doing here? Like, yeah. so, what was that? I had forgotten about oh. that. Because what was the what was the spot that they did right after that? That uh, anyway, I I they had done something impressive right after. And again, I was like you. I was kind of in and out of that. Yeah. But like, yeah, I remember seeing that and being like, what? 
what are they do- <laughs> what are they doing you don't need to do that like it no. led to some funny memes on twitter today yeah uh, uh but yeah could have gone without that that one one thing too many uh but again i thought like again like the battle royal too they they do too many ladder matches they don't feel quite yeah. as special as they probably should be um and every seemingly every men's match on the show had some kind of gimmick attached to it which i think didn't really help and and as was the case, I think with the Jericho Adam Cole match was almost you know counterintuitive, mm-hmm. but it was a it was a fine match. But again, fine in in the AEW pay per view standards doesn't really cut it. Uh, and and I think if it, it just came off as Christian had some heat heading into this, but Wardlow was cold, and uh, the crowd on TV anyway, came off like they weren't super into this either. So I think you mix all those elements together and it was just, it was just okay. Which when you, you know, have a ladder match with a title on the line with Wardlow, a guy that you're seemingly have some big plans for as a future top guy, that's probably just not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thread, the continuation of, you know, subpar, fine matches, continued and i mean this one i think was more disappointing than anything because i myself i expected the uh women's world championship match to be you know like a 20 minute banger i figured tony storm and jamie Hayter are gonna go out there and just put on a like a classic all japan women's match hard hitting fast paced but i mean you know there there's talk that jamie was hurt so we got you know just a three minute quick little thing Tony Storm becomes a two-time women's world champion with AEW. And I'm hoping that it's nothing serious for Jamie. I hope she can come back, get that title back. Because to me, there's still a lot of like untold stories of her as champion. They they tease that Britt Baker feud or split earlier and kind of went away from it. And I, I mentioned it on the preview show. Like that's what I want them to be continuing to build to. That should be the big big blow off feud and hopefully that's the plan yeah i think people would be talking i think maybe the discourse around the show would be a lot different if these guys had if these guys just had or these girls i should say women had the same match that they had at full gear um where they just absolutely beat the shit out of each other and had one of the best matches on the show i think this this was the spot in the show where aw needed a, a work rate uh, just incredible match, and we know that these two can have it. So mm. I suspect that this is this was injury related, and they were trying to protect Jamie Hayter. Hater, she did. Uh, she hasn't done anything physical on television for weeks. Yeah. So if the speculate, I feel like the speculation is true. Um, uh, in good news, I made a little bit of money off of this match because <laughs> I uh, bet on Tony Storm once the Jamie Hayter injury news came out. Uh, but yeah, this this was a, a match that. Uh, anyone, uh, well, speaking of betting, if you're betting on like the great matches on the show, this would have been one of them, but I think clearly the, there was an injury at play. Yeah. I think silver lining of that is that if she, you know, Wembley stadium is in three months from now, uh, almost exactly, I guess, June, July, August. And, uh, I don't know what this injury is or how serious it is, but you got three months to heal up. And a returning from injury, Jamie Hayter challenging Tony Storm for the title at Wembley Stadium. That would be huge. That would be huge. And so, yeah. hopefully, this is a you know I don't if it's I don't again we don't, we don't know but if it's a surgery situation or a, 
a rehab situation, she should certainly be in line for a title match. And I think uh, her winning the title at Wembley is maybe even a bigger story than her defending it. Mm-hmm. And so there's maybe a way, again, wish this match on this particular show was stronger, but there's maybe a way where um, the the end goal here is that her winning the title in Wembley is maybe an even more satisfying conclusion or next step of the story. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. So um, it was a disappointing match, understandably why, and hopefully, you know, a speedy recovery to her and we can get the the match that uh, we both know that they can have down the line. Um, Coming out of that, we had the six-man tag match, the trios championship. I don't think that there was anybody who expected someone other than the acclaimed challenging for the trios titles. And I mean... I listening to Max Caster's rap, I don't think I have popped that loud for something like that in such a long time. Like dropping the Dominic line, yeah. like all of that was great. And even like continuing on afterwards, like that's what I want to see more of on the big shows. Like drop another another couple bars, have some fun with it. But the, to me, this match, it was perfectly fine. It was very, very, you know, it was uh, it was a match where you go into it and you know that House of Black's coming out of it. They're not going to take the titles off them. It's you didn't see the acclaimed and Billy Gunn as like a threat at all. You just knew that they were going to go out there and challenge for the titles, and that's exactly what we got with them. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought there was maybe a chance they might win if, yeah. in a, if they were because you know the the acclaimed have been relegated to to rampage for. I don't know, weeks and weeks and weeks now. Um, and if they were really uh, going to take the opportunity to like, let's get behind these guys again and um, and put a rocket under them again, and that maybe that would have been a way to do it. Although I- I'm glad they didn't because I think having them as a tag team is is just ultimately the way to go. Yeah. Um, but uh, I-, I again, just like a, a good, fine match, what, what, what's your opinion on the House of Black lighting and how they changed the arena during those matches? Like, it, it's it's okay. The I'm glad they changed it from the initial one because the initial one I thought looked like shit. Um, but, like, the updated one, even with the moving screen, like, it's okay. It's good, yeah. you know? But, like, it's it's not something I need. You could get, not have the lighting, and I would still enjoy the match or dislike it just as much. Like, it doesn't yeah. add anything for me at all. Right. So like it's it's a little bit too like WWE for me uh a little bit and uh and I don't know for me AEW is like I want it to be the opposite of WWE. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't want there to be too many things that are reminding me of a wrestling show that I actively do not like and go out of my way to to mostly not watch but um yeah and and but I think the the house rules or whatever it is that these stipulations there's a way to i think i think over time if people get used to them there is a way to especially because the one step of it i know i have one of my if i can put myself over one of my favorite tweets that i've ever did have ever done was uh, i don't know something effective like smoking weed and trying to uh follow along with a house of black promo but there <laughs> these uh these set of rules that they have are like kind of difficult to follow but one that i know for sure is that the other team gets to set a stipulation yes. and i think that there's a way to whatever whichever team they ultimately drop this to 
it's a really smart out for them. Um, and we'll talk about maybe a, a smart out later on with the TBS championship of a way to protect Jade uh, and her losing her streak later. But there's potentially like a really smart way of like whenever it is that they drop it, have have it be that stipulation that the other team uh, made as the reason why they lose. And so I, I'm willing to give it more time. The lighting, I'm sure what I'm kind of like you, like it doesn't really matter yeah. too much, although it does remind me a little bit too much of w, WWE. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a way to um, maybe ultimately get me on their side a little bit more with, with what they're doing. Uh, and I think those, those steps have, a, I think, a way to ultimately um, – especially play into how they lose it, be kind of creative, how, how they play around with it. Hmm. Um, for me, this is where things picked back up. And I think even the crowd noticed it too with the, the uh, almost special it, uh, intros they had, you know, with uh, Taya having those da- uh, kind of dancers at the top of the stage, Jade having her old um, university or college alma mater there dancing with her. And that came across great. Like I thought... I, I tweeted it out and Jade is such a star and yeah. seeing that, having her dance with them, having her being, uh, you know, the, I I'm, can't remember the rapper that was, did her, did that song, but like having all of that just came across massive. That was like, to me, that was like a WrestleMania entrance. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big deal. And these two, I mean, I did not expect them to, have that sort of match and it delivered to me in all aspects like i i i had low expectations for it and they they shattered those to me the the match was great i didn't expect jade to win i thought taya was totally going to win this one especially yeah i thought that that's this was going to be the one taya was going to win and i thought that i thought we were going to have the statlander return but i thought it was going to going to be to challenge taya afterwards So to have, you know, Jade kick out of uh, Taya's finisher, then Jade do the same one and Taya not kick out, like I was shocked at that. You know, it was a very pleasant surprise. And then even, even well, we can talk about this first and we'll talk about Statlander afterwards. But mm-hmm. to me, this match was fantastic and I was very happy that it was that successful. I thought it was I thought it was really good too. And I'm with you on the entrance, like just an absolute star. Jade rocks so much. And I, I think if she can just figure out a way, and this is like one of those building block matches where they've protected her a bit or shielded her from big spotlight matches like this in in some ways. And that she wrestles on rampage a lot. Um, She hasn't really gotten too many programs to really, um, you know, sink her teeth into. This is really one of the first ones where, and when they brought Ty Valkyrie in, I was like, "Eh, okay, like, doesn't really do much for me but like this has been a good story that they've told now for a couple of months and has led to a couple of good matches and this one in particular and i think a a big credit to ty valkyrie for being i'm sure the the veteran in here and leading her through this but credit to jade too of like stepping up in this big pay-per-view moment with all the pop and circumstance and i'm with you the match was really good and uh yeah jade i i'm curious about what they're going to do next with her with this the streak is over the tbs championship has been entirely dedicated to um her up until this point and has revolved around her um i guess the latest report was that she might be taking some time off which i think is an an interesting uh wrinkle and gives us a chance to miss her for a bit yeah but yeah absolutely i'm with you like kudos to both of these uh wrestlers for putting on 
this match. And again, a show that was desperately needed an uptick in, you know, energy and just in work rate and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you hundred percent. I, one of the things that I, I kind of like is, or would like to happen is cause I mean, you, you heard it at the uh, press conference afterwards that Tony storm, like, cause someone mentioned, you know, Jade and, you know, storm just, flat out said like i'll beat her ass in some different yeah. words you know um i would love for them to tease that feud for a little while mm. you know even if it's for a month or so and then do a short program or even just tease it and then get to it a few months even if tony's not champion you know i think that has a lot of uh, a lot of potential and i mean yeah i would love to hear jade and tony just go back and forth on the mic because jade is surprisingly pretty good on the mic you know she like she's got some good lines so and that's I think something i'd like one of the most exciting things that jade has seemingly kind of been off on like an island to herself where it seems like there's not from some of the other main stars of the women's division jade hasn't had a lot of interaction with them no and i think what's exciting is that this opens up um, a match with tony storm or Britt baker oh my god like Jade and Jamie Hayter having a match and those two like stars and just kind of how they match up and just the visual of that. You can just see it like that's a marquee match. And mm -hmm. so I'm excited about what this might mean in terms of possibilities of what it opens for Jade. And the streak was, was a cool gimmick. It probably was maybe getting a little tiresome towards the end of it or just maybe a little bit played out, but it got her over. She's a star now. And what they do next, I think, is going to be really interesting in terms of what what they do with Jade, and I'm sure we'll talk about Statlander next too, because that's an exciting new direction for that championship. I think you know Statlander, you know, made her return after Mark Sterling said, you know, bring out someone else, and I mean the pop she got for that return, it was it was well deserved considering. I mean, she got the same reaction. Last year at Double or Nothing, I think it was the Rampage before, where the fans just went ballistic for her. So that was so well-deserved for her. And, I mean, she came across as such a big deal. And I think getting the title off of Jade was a smart move for everyone. Yeah, I don't mm -hmm. think it takes Jade down one bit. Um, but putting the uh, belt on someone like Statlander who could go out there, can she's on a... Uh, a different level than Jade when it comes to in-ring work. So that's that's yeah. a bonus, you know? So you yep. have that she can put on some longer matches, which will help. You're not just going to have two-minute squash matches for the TBS title. So you have that. So many potential feuds because they've brought in so many wrestlers that Statlander's never faced. So, like, this having Statlander as the TBS champion is, to me, I love it. I think there's so much potential with it, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. Me too. And I, I feel like, obviously I don't know her, but like, I feel so good of, you know, someone who has dealt with two back-to-back -back devastating injuries and being able to come back, get treated like an absolute star uh, by the crowd, like super deserved. And I know, I, I assume there's been uh, some criticism of the booking of this in that, you know, she, the way that she came back you know, if you think about the money in the bank briefcase in WWE, like it was kind of like that, like an out of nowhere challenge. That's usually a little bit better for a heel. Mm -hmm. But to me, and, and again, I only saw a little bit of criticism on the timeline. I don't know if this is a, a talking point that other people have been mentioning, but to me, that would be just, that's overthinking it. Like this, listen to the pop that she got. It absolutely worked. 
it's I think it's smart booking and that it gives Jade an out too that she just had this great match for whatever it was 10 minutes or whatever with Taya um, but she wasn't she also wasn't really selling the effects of it like she looked fresh and whatever but it does give her that kind of out that if she is going to continue on as a heel or even if not this is something that she can kind of say like my only loss came in the second match of a back-to-back match mm-hmm. so I thought it was like smart booking I love these surprise returns like this it's well deserved for her as you say you know Statlander's you know, at this stage of the game, it's not a mean thing to say that she's a better worker than Jade is. I think that's pretty obvious. And, you know, this TBS championship has been mostly dedicated at this point to squash matches with Jade and it's worked, but now this is going to open up, I think, whatever, you know, the two women's programs that are centered around the two championships that they have for the division, those are inherently then the two biggest like women's programs that they have. And I think now that both of them are centered around, you know, women that can go from an in-ring standpoint, I think that's a potentially, you know, exciting direction for that championship and for the division too. I think it's definitely going to elevate so many other wrestlers in that division now by having, you know, Statlander as champ, someone who can work more. It's it's a it's a positive for everyone involved. So with I mean, double or nothing has kind of been synonymous with the uh world title world heavyweight championship the men's one not being the main event because of you know anarchy in the arena or spring stampede whichever i cannot recall a match where the build i felt was so lackluster you know promo wise everything they were doing but then when the match comes down to it it just blows everything out of the water like the match that they had you would have felt like it had just had this like epic build to it yeah seemingly like the promos I felt were kind of plotting leading up to this, just yep. repetitive. And then they went out there and just said, fuck it, and had this incredible 30-minute match. Like, yep. it was phenomenal. The build to this match sucked. Uh, yep. <laughs> the it last, shit. And, and I'm usually one uh, on Twitter to be, you know, mostly making fun of people that are making fun of the build because I think a lot of those criticisms are overblown. This, to me, was the worst world title build that they've ever done. We talked about it, if you remember. The last time we talked, we we were both in agreement that this Four Pillars, you know, as like a world title program that is was going to get as much attention as it did, just wouldn't feel like it was just – it shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Now, I never had any doubts that they were going to deliver in the ring. I might have not expected it to be quite as good as it ended up being. Yeah. And the in-ring was never the question for me. It was – you know that these guys are uh, Darby isn't to me, but Jungle Boy and especially Sammy Guevara from like as world title challengers. Just I never, I never bought them as that. And I think the best part of the build was that Sting promo with the pom poms, which was uh, awesome, mm-hmm. and like the headlock takeover teases with Darby, which was playing off of the previous MGF and Darby yeah. Allen match. And if they would have just, I think, it, and again, we're now I'm doing the thing that I make fun of people for. I'm complaining about the build to what was actually ended up being a great match. But like, I, I think MJF and Darby would have been the, the go-to match if they had just gone back to that. But anyway, I, I'm with you. I, I, From what I saw last night, people were blown away by this. And, and I think quite the coup for or uh, that's not the right word for it, but, um, you know, a feather in the cap, you, you should say, or I should say for MJF of like, he is now the absolute total package as mm-hmm. a professional wrestler. Um, he's been able to promo forever. 
But if you look at a guy and a credit to AEW and Tony Khan for like from day one of this company of bringing him in from MLW, so he's essentially like an unknown uh, from day one of this company. And to look at where he is now, world champion, could main event any pay-per-view or television show, can draw people in with his promos. Now, he I, to me, I wouldn't criticize him at all for any of the build. Like he was doing his end of it. His promos yeah. were, were always were, were good for the most part. Um, maybe a little bit too long or whatever, if you want to complain about some of them, but like his part of this build, I wouldn't criticize at all, but now he's got, and he has a pretty long track record of it. Now, if you include the Danielson match, uh, the Darby Allen match, the, the punk matches that he had, um, and now this one, and even the other match they had with jungle boy, whenever it was double or nothing, 20, I don't know, 2020 or whatever it was, mm -hmm. but he's got a pretty long list now of big matches that he's absolutely delivered in. And we're forever, however old he is, 27 years old, 28 years old, for him to be, you know, what else is there for him to even do? Like, out of this world promos, from an in-ring standpoint, mm -hmm. he can absolutely go. He looks like a million bucks. He just checks all the boxes. And I'm really ex interested and excited about what the summer means for him and who his next challenger might be. Is, is, is it Punk? Is it Adam Cole? There's a million different directions they can go. Is he even going to be on the Forbidden Door card? Um, what what's he going to be doing at Wembley? So um, I think you know my main takeaway from that match is that it was excellent, but that they have this you know blue chip 27 year old world champion who can do it all. Um, I don't think people talk enough about how incredible this is. That you know if you want to look at where AEW has been from you know these four years of the company of look you know look at where mjf is now from where he started and all of that equity that they've tried to build into him and all these different guys think about the long list sorry i'm long-winded here but That's um you know like all the effort the guys like cody rhodes from the beginning you know that first you know story that they were doing with mm -hmm. him as being cody rhodes friend and transitioning that to jericho and punk giving him the rub and Danielson at the last pay-per-view Mox putting him over Mox is the one who dropped the title to him um, that MJF won the title off of and it's just like if you think about how pro wrestling is supposed to be where these these top star veteran guys are giving the rub to the, to the next generation it's like this has been you know and now he was the centerpiece of this four-way with three other guys that I mean, or two other guys, in my opinion, that really didn't deserve the spot, but now he's the one that's kind of carrying the load. I just think MJF has it all, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. But so does AEW for putting him in this position. Um, and I, I like, I, I have a question for you, and I like, well, I don't want to go too far off topic, but if you do have him at Forbidden Door, who are you putting him in a match with? Oh man, that's a great question. I I don't know. I've thought about that, mm -hmm. and if I was. I'm almost like leaning towards leaving, leaving him off the card in, in that it could just cause they, they have so many guys that they need to try to fit on this card. And I have yeah. no, no fucking idea how they're going to do it. Um, but having said that, uh, you asked me the question, I got to give you an answer, not a cop out answer. Um, who would you do? Um, I think they're going to do Okada and Mox. So I can't say Okada. And oh my gosh, please give us Okada and Mox. Um, Omega and Osprey seems like another direction, so Osprey would seemingly be off the table. I hope they do Punk Tanahashi. That's my hope that they get back, that Punk will be, and that he can actually work 
that he can work Forbidden Door and um, I don't know Naito. Does that make sense or or Shingo or I don't I, know? Like I like the idea of Shingo, yeah. But I also like the idea of him being at the show but sitting up in a press box being like i don't want to wrestle yeah New japan is not on the same level because he called them like an indie i think at the yeah. press conference so yeah. like i think that would be huge and you can use that to almost build to something at like all in you know like say you do okada and mox and i'm not saying that you know okada like maybe that might not be the best spot for him afterwards but like do okada and mox and then you have them like you know acknowledge mjf up mm. in the crowd you know like something like that i think there's potential with but i mean ultimately with a so big of a roster there's going to be guys who aren't on the show so it's yeah. it's tough i think so too and ultimately i mean for all of that praise that i just heaped on mjf it shows you the depth of the AEW roster and the new Japan roster that honestly, if they'd left MJ off, off the card, I don't think as someone who has a ticket to, to, to go to that event, like I wouldn't, I, I honestly wouldn't be upset. Like there's so, I, this feels like, especially cross our fingers that like Brian Danielson came out of that match healthy so that he can participate when he could this year. They are going to have punk back at collision, which is a week before Omega wasn't on forbidden door last year. Hopefully he's healthy that they have like almost a full complement of both of their rosters where we're, we're going to be so spoiled with dream match, dream matches that if yeah. MJS isn't, isn't on the show, then I don't think that's the end of the world. And, and like we said, it, it'll play into his gimmick too, that he's already established. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly touch on the, the main event because I mean, we're, we're going long here today, but I mean, very rarely do I watch a main event and the next morning want to rewatch it again. But like last night was a match, and I think I tweeted it out that I just don't want it to end. The there were so many great moments in that anarchy in the arena. The the one spot that still sticks in my head was when it was the four members of the BCC in the ring, Ma, uh, Kenny and Hangman in there alone, and they kind of looked at each other and they just were like. Yeah, we got to do it. And they just started going all yeah. out, just trying to kick yeah. ass. Like, I, I love that spot. That was fantastic. I'm with you. And I, last time we talked, uh, I had mentioned that the Hangman Kenny stuff that they started in early 2020 was the stuff that I really uh, sunk my teeth into as a fan that got me emotionally invested in AEW. And that they've now gone full circle, brought them back together, this was like the perfect combination of build and match of, mm -hmm. of, you know, there, I would criticize some of the builds for double or nothing, especially the world title program. This was the opposite of it. it. We had like complete contrast of like, I thought not that it's nothing is perfect storytelling, but it's hard for me to imagine a better, like a build to this with all these different guys, with all these promos and all the, the backstory that they played off of and bring these guys back together. And then for these guys to just come together like a collection of the best wrestling talent in the world and just beat the shit out of each other and do all of these random crazy spots. Like this is a, this is what a main event brawl type of match should be. The crowd was hot for it. These guys were, you know, ready to go. And uh, I I'm with you. I love those little callback and little things and tips of the hat to previous stories and other matches that have happened before that they, that they can do in spots like this and the new stuff, like, the Matt Jackson firework shoe or whatever the hell it was. Uh, that was cool. That was different. And, yeah. And that was cool too of like, so I thought this was, was fantastic. I love that in this, in the same way with the cage match with Moxley and Omega, they were able to 
not only deliver a fantastic match, but end it with an angle that then builds onto the next chapter of the story. And now they've set up Takeshita as mm -hmm. potentially, and we talked about, you know, AEW's ability to build stars with MJF. Obviously, Takeshita is not going to have the promo ability of MJF because that's so rare. But they've got a guy here that they, I think, can strap a rocket to. And he's got main event potential. And I'm very curious to see what is this next chapter in this story and is, you know, what is the connection between is, you know, Takeshita going to be a member of the back, uh, uh, Blackpool Combat Club or is it just going to be a callous thing? And when do they get to Takeshita and Kenny Omega? Kenny Omega after the show is teasing. I've got a couple mm -hmm. of friends from different companies, uh, Kotobushi, Okada come to mind. Um, and so, uh, yeah, just this was like absolutely had to be the main event, had the best build, absolutely delivered. And now, you know, we can drool over the possibilities of not just the next steps for this specific program, but how the tentacles of this fantastic storytelling can weave its way into Forbidden Door and Izabushi coming back and all these exciting things that just make being a pro wrestling fan so fun of like these, you know, that mix of storytelling with big stars and matches that absolutely deliver. Like this is, this is what it's about a match like this. I, I can't remember if it was you or Mike who had, because we, we were talking about potential matches and mentioned Okada in the young bucks gear. And to, it, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Okay. Maybe it, it was Mike, been, uh, but yeah. it was, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know what? Bring him into this. I want yeah. to see Okada with all of them, and like, let's have some fun with it. And Okada and Omega teamed up this year, right at the New Year's Dash show after Wrestle Kingdom. Yes, uh, they did. So, uh, my my hunch is that that's what he's referencing there, and that would make sense given that Moxley has openly challenged Okada and is going to be wrestling on Dominion this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, so. It would make sense that uh, Okada could be, you know, the, the stories are kind of, you know, intertwined anyway of like, that would make sense. And yeah, he should wear the Young Bucks gear, obviously, as, oh, yeah. as, as, a, as a throwback too. Uh, now, where can people find you up on Twitter? If you got anything to plug, here's your chance. And then I'll, I'll wrap things up right after that. Yeah, at Jay's Retro on Twitter. I've got nothing else to plug, but if you like, a mix of wrestling tweets and Blue Jays tweets and tweets about breakfast sandwiches and <laughs> uh, betting on wrestling. Uh, yeah, then you should follow me. And if you don't, that's cool too. I, I won't be insulted at all. But uh, yeah, Jays Retro on Twitter. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for checking out the podcast. I truly appreciate it. I say it every time. I will always say it. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. Uh, if it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GreatMakerPod, all the other social medias, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, GreatMaker Wrestling Podcast, um, email, GreatMakerPodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me doing streaming up on Love Wrestling. Every Saturday morning, myself and my good friend Plugo doing four exposure as we take a look at the world of indie wrestling. And sometimes I'm doing the Sunday uh, brunch gimmick as well. So definitely shoot that Love Wrestling a follow on all their social media. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.